So here we go, man. Episode one of Radio Waste. This is going to be a place where I can bring content I can't normally bring on the air. Let's say I want to rant, and I like to go on with my rants. I want to go longer with an interview. Maybe I didn't have time for something on my show, I could bring it here. Or I'm interviewing somebody that the average person listening on the radio may find questionable. Just like my first guest. Radio Waste with Brady. You know, there's people that we know personally in life that you can look at and you can say to yourself, they found their calling. That's my next guest. He's a pornographer. (laughs) I've known the dude since I was 14, 15. He was a friend of my brother's. His name is Phil. And out of all my brother's friends, this was the only kid I liked. I was a year older than my brother. Stereotypical older brother, too. I was kind of a prick. And all my friends were bullies to his friends. But Phil was a little bit different because I could see, uh, how do I put this? He, he, He was a hustler. Even at 14, 15 years of age, the dude knew how to shuck and jive. And he had a great personality, really hard to dislike. And then as I got a little bit older, I'd see him hanging with the older kids and we'd party in the same circles. But uh, life takes everybody on their own path. People move away from the cities and the states that they grow up in. But then social media came along. 20, 25, 30 years later, you know, I reconnected with Phil and I follow him on Facebook. The dude's a hustler. And one of his jobs right now is publisher for one of the most notorious porn magazines of all time. It was originally published as a weekly tabloid newspaper. First published in print November 1968 by Al Goldstein and Jim Buckley. At its peak, Screw sold 140,000 copies a week. And like Larry Flynn of Hustler, founder Al Goldstein won a series of nationally syndicated court cases addressing obscenity. How did you get the gig of publisher for one of the most notorious magazines in the history of pornography? Al Goldstein was a family friend going back, my dad, probably 50 years. When I was in Florida, I owned a magazine in Florida, Beachcomber Magazine. I moved down to Florida. It was like 2001. I started publishing Beachcomber. I got a call one day from this this guy. He's like, hey, is this Phil? I'm like, yeah. Like, hey, this is Al Goldstein. What are you doing? And then it, you know, then it all clicked. He thought it was my dad had moved to Florida and was publishing ah, Beachcomber Magazine. Gotcha. And, uh, but my dad had already been dead like three years. So, uh, anyway, we hit it off by 2003. He had stopped publishing the magazine. He was broke. He was trying to talk me into printing screw on the beachcomber presses. And, and, uh, and it was kind of ironic because when I bought beachcomber magazine, it came with this like 75 year old pressman from Brooklyn. His name was Joe. He had just gotten out of prison for counterfeiting. It turns out that he was the guy that used to print screw for Al in New York back in like 1970. Couldn't find a job. And uh, they let him go back to work as a printer. And uh, he was printing the magazine for us. But it turns out that that same guy was the guy who was printing screw for Al. And it was like, wow, small world. All the outlaws end up in Florida. (laughs) So you got in, man, at 2003. That was around the time magazines started to fade. Uh, I think at the most, Screw's subscription, I think they were putting out 150,000. Uh, it was a weekly, by the way, as right. opposed to uh, the other magazines were all monthly. 
And Screw was also a rag. It was like a, a I guess you call it newsprint. So uh, it was more like the Weekly World News or the Inquirer, you know, it came out like that. But I think at the most, he was putting out 150000 a week. By today's standards, that's actually a lot. Screw was also regional, too. Right. It was uh, distributed pretty much just the greater New York area with, you know, of course, there were subscriptions. You know, a lot of industry people around the country would get it. And, you but know, you, you'd also kinda... get, yeah, but you'd also get those truckers, you know, that would have to travel to New York, upstate New York. And then they Absolutely. take that, they take that with them all over the country. Yeah. You know, it was Larry Flint that once said, uh, I'd rather have, you know, 10,000 truckers reading my magazine than 100,000 college professors. So Al Goldstein, you make this relationship. <laughs> Al and I kind of hit it off right from the start he was always trying to talk me into printing it and uh you know we could just never we could never agree on anything his life was pretty much falling apart at the time too he's going through another divorce so shit was always happening for him and he it always ended up al was staying at my house he he had this huge mansion on the water in pompano and him and his wife would fight and then he'd end up at my little house in delray <laughs> it's staying with me for two weeks. I, I felt like I was his assistant just driving him around all day long. Let's go get some cigars. All right. Hey, let's go get some booze. All right. Hey, let's go get a hooker. You know, he ended up taking a gig with Booble, and then that didn't work out. At that point, Screw hadn't been in print for two or three years. It was right around 2008, 2009. I said, look, we're not going to do the printing. What, we're, what I'm thinking about doing is launching a TV channel. We'll brand it as a TV channel. And, uh, you know, I, talk, I started talking to him about licensing the name and different things like that. And we were actually trying to find another company that would be interested in printing it and doing everything. And we would just license it. Now you're talking about Roku, right? What I do with Roku is just developing the applications for Roku. Okay. For, you know, we, we developed branded applications for different uh, major brands and celebrities and things like that. Gotcha. So they would uh, contact us and we'd develop a, a channel for them. And that was my business by 2008. I was, you know, just developing Roku apps. Nobody even knew what a Roku was yet. That's what we were attempting to do with Screw at that time. And we started putting Screw together. I started working out different licensing deals and things like that. And at some point in there... I don't know if he needed to borrow some money from me. I forgot what it was. I just remember we made a deal. He essentially bought Screw Lock, Stock, and Barrel, what was left of it from him for an undisclosed amount. Maybe a box of cigars and a hooker. I forgot. <laughs> All right, man. It's an interesting uh, backstory, but let's go a little bit deeper. 1968. Right. It started as a weekly tabloid. Yeah, Playboy Penthouse, and then you had Screw. That was 1968. 19. 70, I think it was, that uh, Larry Flint had a bunch of strip clubs down in Florida. And uh, this is all fresh in my mind, too, because he just passed away. And we were just having this discussion. I was just actually having this discussion with someone at Hustler. Yeah, you were good friends with Larry, right? I mean, we were I mean, we were the best of friends or nothing. But over the past, you know, year and a half, two years, I've kind of got to know him. And he was always interested in Screw, and which is, I'm going to tell you why in a minute. In 70, he used to have all the strip joints, and he used to sell dildos. That was his business, sex toys and strip joints. And he used to actually sell the sex toys in ads in Screw Magazine. They were called Dr. Columbo, because uh, he was in Columbus, Ohio. Dr. Columbo dildos. And he, he'd use all his strippers to do the ads. So he would fly Al down from New York to Columbus. And Al would spend time at the clubs and photograph and whatever. And then go back to New York and publish photos and Screw and 
published the ads and stuff. The Screw was doing really well by 1970. Larry Flint was interested in doing something regional for his area, just like Screw. And, you know, so the first few issues of Hustler, when it came out, it wasn't even a magazine. It was more like a newspaper, like, like Screw. But, you know, Larry wanted to do something glossy and bigger. But the problem was he couldn't get any distribution for it at the time because it was illegal to distribute that kind of uh, magazine across the lines. By 1974, Grew had published a uh, cover story about J. Edgar Hoover. And it was, uh, of course, you could say, the, you could say the, the other F word back then. He, the cover was, is J. Edgar Hoover a fag? And uh, J. Edgar Hoover got wind of it and ended up, he got pissed off and dispatched a whole bunch of uh, postal inspectors to Wichita, Kansas, the most conservative place he could find. And he had them order subscriptions to Screw Magazine using P.O. boxes. And once the magazines were distributed, like mailed to the P.O. boxes, Screw had broken federal law because back then it wasn't obscene in New York, but it was obscene in Kansas. Right. You broke federal law by distributing something from one state to another where it was considered obscene. As soon as they picked up their issues, the screw office in New York was raided and everyone was arrested. Jeff Buckley, his partner, they were charged with uh, 14 counts of obscenity. Jeez. And they were like 60 years in prison for sending 14 issues of screw to Kansas. <laughs> Obviously, that didn't pan out for them. They ended up having to go to court in Kansas. And even in rural conservative Kansas, once they got wind of the fact that it was like a government conspiracy, even the most conservative jury was like, hey, man, the government doesn't need to be in our bedrooms. They don't need to be up our ass. He was found not guilty. The first time they were found guilty. And then it ended up in the Supreme Court. And that's when it was uh, overturned because that set the precedent in 1974. Right. That said you had to have a blanket law for the entire country. You can't say, oh, you know, that's obscene in New York, but it's not obscene in Florida. And once that law once uh, was passed, then Hustler was able to start distributing nationwide and all these other magazines like Playboy and Penthouse. They didn't run into any more obscenity charges by being shipping their subscriptions to all these different states. And now so, most people would be happy with that. They'd be like, OK, we actually did something groundbreaking, historic. But now Al publishes <laughs> publishes <laughs> photos of effing Jackie Kennedy nude. That had right. to put a lot of heat on him from the government. Absolutely. And that, that came like right around the same time. He got a call from a photographer in uh, Italy who had taken the pictures, paid him like $5,000 for the pictures, published those. But you want to know what's even funnier is Hustler published the same photos yep. three years later. Got credit for it, basically. Got all the credit for yep. him, paid like 10 times more for him because Al set up another guy to call him. <laughs> tell them the photos. There's an old joke, though. They used to have an old joke between them that if you want to know what's going to be in Hustler next month, you just have to look in Screw last month. Let's get to 1977. Alabama Governor George Wallace suits Screw for $5 million. You know, Wallace had gotten shot, so he was in a wheelchair. And uh, Al was used to print these, like, parody ads. And one of them was... Uh, 
pictures of George Wallace in a, in his wheelchair. <laughs> they said things like, I'd get up and run for screw. <laughs> yeah, George Wallace wasn't amused and ended up suing for $5 million, but ended up settling for thirty grand. You know, and Larry Flint did that a lot. The People versus Larry Flint wasn't over the parody. The People versus Larry Flint was over the fact that can public figures actually sue you for money for making fun of them? That was the Supreme Court ruling that came out of that case was public figures can't sue you just because you said something that upset them. The actual parody precedent was set by Screw in 1980, which was like four years before Falwell v. Flint. It was called Pillsbury v. Milky Way Productions, which Milky Way Productions was Screw. And uh, Screw had been running... uh, these little parodies of the Pillsbury ad showing the Pillsbury Doughboy, like screwing the Pillsbury Dough Girl. And Pillsbury got pissed off and sued Screw for $50 million. You know, that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And then the Supreme Court ruled that you can use registered trademarks in parodies as long as you identify it as a parody. <laughs> like, this is not a real ad. So here we are, 2021. Screw has survived, but online. We have Screw TV, which that's the new flagship as opposed to the print magazine. Now, are you doing new videos or are you going back to older content and just rehashing that stuff? We have a nice balance between the two, but we like to focus on a lot of the classic stuff because there's a huge market for it right now. Really? Yeah. There's like this resurgence of classic porn. Oof. And uh, (laughs) we've created the, and we curate a lot of it. And we, you know, we still have, we have license to a lot of it. So we created what we call the Criterion Collection, which is like the Criterion Collection. But right now, I think we have probably from, you know, the golden age of porn, which was like 1970 until 1985 or something. Everything we put out is curated. So we're not just like accepting whatever videos and uh, submissions are automatically, you know, it's not like Pornhub where people could just pretty much submit anything. Yeah. You know, I'm sure it gets some kind of scrutiny at some point, but most of it's pretty much automated with them or us. You know, we kind of go over everything, say, oh, this would be great. This would be great. And we try to limit the content too. We don't want like a million videos. We want a, a nice handful of videos every month that we can rotate in and out. And because that keeps people coming back and stuff. The biggest draw to screw right now is people want to watch, watch it on their television set. They don't want to look at it on their phone. They don't want to look at it on a computer screen. So I think what early on 2008, 2009, as we were getting into this and we were starting to experiment with adding adult content to Roku and the different platforms, that's where it really started to catch on. It was like, people were like, hey, wait a minute, I could get porn on these things? Even today, most people don't realize that there's actually porn channels on Roku. And of course, we were the first one. Well, what's your family say about this, dude? My mom's proud of her son. I don't know about the rest of them. Who cares? I mean, you've met Uh, my mom. She would kill me. No, she wouldn't. She would kill me if I got into porn. I'm not doing porn. No, but you're in the industry. Your mom's cool as shit. I tell you not to hang out with me, though. <laughs> Look, my mom always liked you, but she was, uh, she's like, oh, he's a little hustler. <laughs> How do people check out your porn? How do they check it out? Yeah, what do they got to do? Where do they got to go? What site? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, they go to www.screw.wtf. You'll see that scrawled. We, we're doing this cool ad campaign where we have people Scrawling it on bathrooms all over the country. Jesus. 
<laughs> for a good time, visit screw.wtf. All right, buddy. I wish you the best of luck. I appreciate you taking the time to talk. When you coming to right. uh, the area? When you coming down in Virginia? You're in Tennessee or are you in New York? I'm in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. Why do I want to go to Virginia for? Because we can hang out. We'll hit. We'll hit Richmond in D.C. Party, have a good time. They have hookers there. You got like? I don't know. No idea. Oh. I don't do hookers. Oh. You got to stay away from the hookers, dude. We're gonna have to fix that. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, <laughs> Phil. Thanks for talking, brother. All right. Good. Goodbye. And you're badass for tuning into Radio Waste. Thank you. Make sure to check out my radio show Monday through Friday on 96.9 The Rock or tune in online, 969therock.com.